What's up, guys? Your host, founder, and creator of The Athlete Confidential, Gabby Ewing here, and you are listening to The Athlete Confidential Podcast. Alex? Yes. Thank you so much for joining me today. Of course. I am so happy we finally found a time to sit down and get together. We've been talking about this for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for those of you that don't know, this is Alex Breen. Did I say that right? You did, indeed. Thank you. He is a mental performance coach and founder of, what is it? Foundation Mentality. Foundation Mentality. I literally just said it. That's fine, that's fine. Before we started. (laughs) And then, as I said founder, I think it sounded weird to say founder Founder of Foundation. Foundation. I was like, no, that can't be right. (laughs) Spot on. Yeah. Anyway, so Alex and I, we met through a mutual friend, Mm -hmm. kind of Mo Fitzgerald. She had told me about what you were doing. And so I... I think I reached out to you first, if yeah. I remember correctly, yeah. yeah, and was just like, hey, we should collab sometime, and many weeks later, <laughs> maybe, maybe months, maybe, maybe a, a few month or months, two. <laughs> we are here, yeah. and I'm so happy to have you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Um, it's a busy world. I think it's a busy world in general, but especially in sports and like my job that so I'm sorry if it took a while to get here, but here it's we okay. are. It's not just you. It's like <laughs> everyone I try are. to sit down with and find a time. It's always a struggle because everyone's busy. Yeah. And I know I'm not a priority. Oh, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, no, 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 no. So Alex, tell me a little bit about your maybe childhood or, you know, how you found sport, how sport has been a part of your life um, growing up. Just growing up, I played pretty much every sport available. I ran cross country even, which was like Oof. terrible, but you know, so I kind of did it all. I played football for like two days and then I quit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I decided that maybe wasn't for me. Like I was pretty scrawny and <laughs> <laughs> so I played pretty much every sport, um, baseball, basketball, tennis, um, soccer, obviously. And then towards the end of, I think my sophomore year of high school, that's when I dropped kind of everything else and focused on soccer. Mostly because I was just, that was the sport I was best at. It also was the one that I liked most. Mm-hmm. So that coincided really nicely. <laughs> um, but yeah, we were always very kind of active growing up. Like we didn't, I didn't really watch a whole lot of TV. Like we were just kind of always outside doing something. I think that's what initially drew me to sport is just like playing mm-hmm, and that's a, like mm-hmm. kind of a key thing that I focus on in my practice now is like getting competitive athletes to enjoy sport because mm-hmm. that's you know usually what it starts out as and then as we kind of get better then we start to compete more and we get like the thrill of like winning and competing which soon became like what it was for me like right. I have always been very competitive and my I have two older brothers who can attest to that that mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like maybe I was a little bit of a pill at times <laughs> um so yeah both kind of like having fun and enjoying playing like with friends but also I really fell in love with the competitive aspect of of sport and like being able to push myself in ways that maybe I hadn't before mm-hmm yeah what are your i'm just curious what are your thoughts on multiple sport athletes and like when you know when is a good time for yeah specific because i i grew up the same way like just playing outside and played everything soccer basketball baseball softball flag football like just anything i could do to be active and um so i'm like a big supporter of playing multiple sports growing up i think it's contributed to my success personally so yeah what are your thoughts on yeah that? definitely i think the broader array of sports that you can play for as long as you can um is is best um and there's 
plenty of like science from motor learning to to back that um, just the skills that we acquire that transfer sport to sport can be a huge benefit and when we do decide to specify as far as what age I think it's really dependent case by case um, I think especially nowadays we are seeing I feel so old saying nowadays yeah. <laughs> nowadays we're seeing kids get pushed into sports like right off the bat mm -hmm. that doesn't seem quite right to me especially if we're like considering the literature around all the benefits that we can get from playing multiple sports and doing multiple disciplines of training um so i think we also don't want to wait too long right because at some point there does have to come a time like if you are wanting to do one sport competitively at the collegiate or professional level like you're obviously going to have to specify we can't wait too long to start dedicating hours and hours and hours to that specific um, modality of training or sport. Mm -hmm. So I guess like most things in psychology, um, the answer is it depends. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but not too soon and not too late. I think sometime in high school is a pretty good spot for most kids. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, I totally agree with you. Um, like how you said nowadays right. because sport has really changed so much since we were growing up mm -hmm. the amount of resources that kids have is crazy and the and it's also the competition is so much higher yep. and stronger so i think that there is a lot of pressure on parents to push their kids in one direction yeah from not only a sport and like learning aspect but also from a social standpoint mm -hmm. like you get to have so many more moments with like make like more connections more friends like i think that's a, a huge part of it too and we'll talk about burnout probably later on but i think when we specify early leads to higher rates of burnout yeah the more you can kind of vary what you're doing the more fun you can have in each individual sport probably the more you'll enjoy sport mm -hmm. and so yeah that's just another reason to maybe hold off on specifying so early yeah well thank you for dropping that knowledge on us of course appreciate it um okay so before we get into your position what you do as a mental performance coach mm -hmm. can you tell us what mental mental performance is yeah uh mental performance well let me tell you what it's not okay. first okay i like it so <laughs> uh it's not clinical mental health so i'm not a psychologist i'm certainly not a psychiatrist like i can't give you drugs i'm sorry um <laughs> have you had people ask you? <laughs> so, you know, some people come in and they just think that i'm like maybe something that i'm not so yeah okay okay we are not clinical over here not clinically trained to treat or diagnose mental illness i certainly can't prescribe you medication for that mm -hmm. um uh, if a client does come to me with something that I see as a clinical issue, I can certainly, um, you know, give that information to the relevant people who are qualified and trained to deal with that. So that's what it's not. Um, I'm also not in what you might see like mindset coaching, um, which is kind of rubs me the wrong way because you'll get a lot of folks who are um, maybe like retired athletes or mm -hmm. who think they have the mental game figured out and they might mm -hmm. like there's it's no disrespect to them but it's maybe not based on like empirically done like research right. and 
scientifically based Mm -hmm. interventions. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we do in mental performance coaching um, is we use mental skills work that are research-based, scientifically proven to work um, to increase on-field performance. And in my practice, hopefully um, increase fulfillment and enjoyment of your life. I always like to say that better athletes make better people, better people make better athletes. Hopefully that's the kind of outcome of my work. I like that. I love that phrase. You should put that on a t-shirt. It's <laughs> a good idea. Yeah. Brand <laughs> <laughs> um, we do that through using, uh, well, a lot of ways, but kind of the main thing is that we teach mental skills, things like how to um, improve confidence, how to set goals the right way or in more productive ways, how to manage anxiety, um, how to be mentally tough, like things. Um, let's see, what's other mental skills? I don't even know. There's like a billion. Yeah, I feel like there's so and much. To, yeah. Um, so how did you get into mental performance coaching? Um. Yeah, so I knew I wanted to work in sports or with athletes in some capacity. And then um, psychology was really the only area of uh, academia that I was interested in at all. Okay. (laughs) And so they coincided in a really nice kind of career path Mm -hmm. for me. Um, But that's, I guess, the easy answer. The more, I guess, honest answer is that I had dealt with like my own stuff, Mm -hmm. um, you know, growing up and wanted to lessen kind of that experience for others. Um, You know, I like, I really wish I had what I do now when I was growing Mm -hmm, up. So that was kind of a big motivating factor of of, of what I do now. Um, And just, yeah, giving back in a way that is useful and, and positive. Cause I, you know, I went through a lot um, in my athletic career, Mm -hmm. which I'm, you know, it's kind of the whole thing of your whole podcast. Yeah, yeah, right? and I and I do. We'll get into that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but bef- before we mm-hmm. do, I'm just curious because, in my experience, I've never really heard the term mental performance coaching until recently, like maybe within the last three to five years. Yeah. So, how did you find yourself like in the in the specific role? Because other than that, all I'd heard was maybe like sports psychologist. Yeah. I guess the delineation there, sports psychologists are clinically trained. They can work with gen, general pop, pop, wow, general population as well. Um, but they are clinically trained and can like treat mental illness. Um, and their focus is kind of less performance based, more mental health based. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say like we, like you mentioned a couple minutes ago, like, Sport is becoming, especially at younger ages, more and more competitive. And people are looking for any marginal advantage Mm -hmm. that they can get. And so, like, you might be a great athlete. If you take two great athletes, but one has a great mental game and one doesn't, who's going to win? One with a great mental game. Right. And I think uh, younger people are starting to realize that. Also, parents are starting to realize Mm -hmm. that. And coaches are starting to realize Mm -hmm. that. And so, yeah, definitely over the last 10 years, but especially probably the last three to five, you're seeing a large uptick in um, mental performance coaches, right? It's a growing field. Mm -hmm. Like I'm one of them who's sprung up in the last two years, I guess. Um, So, yeah, it's definitely definitely, uh, an emerging field. Um, 
And I guess, yeah, that would be the delineation is we are strictly kind of focused on performance on field. There's so much benefit athletes. Like you said, I wish I had something like that when I was growing up. Yeah. I had no idea. Like the only kind of, I guess, mental performance coaching I maybe got was I had a, a high school volleyball coach that was, she was actually an Olympian. She was on the, oh, like wow. the first ever like Olymp- Olympic women's oh, volleyball team. Cool. Yeah. Sharon Peterson. She's a legend. Anyway, she's like the nicest lady off the court. Mm-hmm. On the court, she would just play mind games with us at mm. practice and i would get like it brought girls to tears often mm. and i was one of them it took it wasn't until my senior year but she finally got me but it wasn't in a malicious way yeah. it was just she would challenge us so much like we would literally play volleyball without a ball huh. yeah <laughs> yeah like stuff like that yeah. and we would sit down at every season she would choose a new book and we'd go through chapters oh, of these super books. Cool. Yeah, no. And and we would reflect on it as a team. And she she really was trying to make us, I think, better people. Mm-hmm. And I think I gained... I didn't realize that at the time when I was in high school. Because, I one, I didn't really know what she was doing. I was just like, oh, God. Like, rolling my Again, eyes, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, this sucks. I just want to play volleyball. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking back on it now... I think she prepped me so much for what I was going to endure when I got to college. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even play volleyball in college. I played soccer in college. But everything that I learned from her was so transferable. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish I knew at the time how important it was and how beneficial it was going to be to me because I kind of accidentally absorbed things that I didn't realize at the time. And if I was actively seeking that knowledge, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I would have been so much better off. Yeah. How much maybe more you could have gleaned out of those. Yes, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You mentioned a little bit about your own experiences and how you got into mm-hmm. mental performance coaching. So yeah, walk me through that a little bit. I know you, you played soccer at George Fox. Yeah. I guess we haven't said that. So I, soccer guy, <laughs> yeah. uh, soccer is my thing. That was my sport kind of growing up. And I guess I said, I specified yeah, in soccer, played at George Fox for a couple of years. Um, and then after that, my brother and I founded a semi-professional team in our hometown in Washington. Oh, whoa. Um, so yeah, I know you Very know Very cool. Yeah. Um, so we have a game today actually. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I still kick around when I can. Well, <laughs> And this is totally off topic, but so two years ago during the during the season, I separated my shoulder, like my AC joint. Uh-huh. Um, so that got me out for the rest of the season. And then last season, I broke my leg. Oh <laughs> so my goodness. This season, I'm really hoping for no injuries. Yeah, fingers um, crossed for you. <laughs> anyway. Jeez. Um, anyway. So what was the question? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, how, you know, you talked about your, some of your experiences and why mm-hmm. you got into mental performance coaching. What were those experiences? Yeah. Um, just like very high anxiety mm-hmm. uh, around performance. Um, I kind of have a propensity for like being that way just as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I really care about something, it just magnifies that by a trillion. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, it was a lot of just like extreme nervousness. Um, like I would just like go hide or like I'd get like actually sick mm-hmm. um, before even practices, like not even not even really games. I was oddly never that nervous for games. But yeah, a lot of anxiety around practice um, later on. 
I guess that was kind of like middle school, high school age. Um, and then more so in college, um, just dealing with a couple of very bad, let me, I won't say very bad coaches, very bad managers of people. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. who didn't know how to communicate or relate in a productive or positive manner at all. Um, and especially not with me, like someone who was like a little bit more anxiety prone. Um, so that was like pretty disheartening. Um, and that I would say my sophomore year of college, I was about ready to just call it on my soccer career. Um, and you know, I think that's something that a lot of, a lot of athletes deal with is like when you have a coach that is pushing you so close to the edge and like making you lose your love for the sport that you once had, um, which, which is really sad. And it's something that comes up in my work quite a bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's really common, honestly. Yeah. So I guess that's a, another part of my work is, yeah, we work with athletes one-on-one and like groups of athletes, but also doing like coaching education on how to communicate positively with your team, how to listen to your team, how to give them freedom and autonomy to make their own choices, to enjoy sport and um, give back in that way as well. Yeah. So what, like, was there a moment where you realized like, this is so unhealthy for me. Like this has gone too far. I need to take a step back. Or was it just kind of like little things over time? No, I think it was, I don't think there was any one moment. Um, it was more so just like the dread of practice every single day. And now I look back and I'm much healthier now. I'm Mm -hmm. like, man, like, I wish I would have had the tools then to like really enjoy those moments because mm-hmm. you really do never get them back. Like it's yeah. so cheesy, but like once time's gone, it's gone. And you know, you're only a collegiate athlete for two to four years. Yeah. Like if you get injured, I guess you can yeah. push it, but you know, um, I wish that I had the resources that I have now because I would have been able to enjoy it so much more. But yeah, I would say more so just like the everyday dread of like <laughs> showing up to practice and having to experience like the feelings that I was having every single day. Yeah. Did you talk to anyone about it? Like the way that you're feeling or was it something you just kind of internalized? Um, no. Yeah. I don't really think so. I tried to deal with it all on my own, which it didn't go so well. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, but I think that's, you know, another thing like is very common. Like mm-hmm. there's, it's getting better. Um, but there's still like a pretty big stigma around like even the work I do, like that's not even mental health focused. That's just like anything to do with mentality. I think there's still a stigma around and which I definitely felt and maybe is a contributor to why I didn't reach out. I reached out to like on campus counseling for other reasons outside of sport. But the sports side of things never really came up. So, yeah, I I didn't really – I tried to solve it all kind of on my own. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah it, that, that does happen so often. And mm-hmm. I was having a conversation with uh, one of my other podcast guests, and we are just talking about how there is – even though I'm very much like an advocate for saying how you feel and yeah. talking to someone and being open – it's hard. I think for athletes, it's hard because there's kind of like this fine line of between 
being mentally tough mm. and pushing through something that you can work through and yeah. something that's going to make you better. Yeah. And then something that's actually like harmful and not healthy for you. And sometimes it's hard, I think, to distinguish one from the other. Yeah. Um, we can talk about mental toughness a lot. I think one point before that is I try to walk the walk as much as I can. Like I talk the talk of like, yeah, being an ad, like you said, being an advocate for mental health, like go get help, you know, which I do now. Um, but like, if anyone in the gym, like if you're hearing this, you know how bad my self-talk is, you know, like yeah. I'm not always the best example, but I do try to walk the walk um, as much as I talk the talk. Anyway, um, I'm sure they've seen it. Like, hey, he's always out here like talking about this stuff but i don't see you doing it i try my best yeah i journal i like you yeah. know <laughs> we're all just we're all projects <laughs> anyway yeah <laughs> definitely um i guess on the mental toughness subject it is um yeah determining maybe what we should and shouldn't push through and there's a very fine line between mental toughness and stupidity mm. like like you're just making flat out a bad choice mm -hmm. for your life, for your sporting career. Like that is a stupid decision and, and there's no reason to sugarcoat it. Like that's just being dumb and negligent. Maybe you don't know it. Can you give us an example? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think uh, we see it a lot with physical injury um, where players will try to push through. So you have an ankle sprain and you're like, okay, I'm feeling better. I'm going to, let's say two weeks after you sprain your ankle, it's black and blue. And you're like, okay, I like I can finally jog. I'm going to go full on in, in practice. Um, stupid decision. Yeah. Mentally tough. Mm -hmm. Sure. Cause you're like, yeah, I'm going to work through this. Like I'm going to make my way back. I think the same thing happens when something's going wrong up here. Mm -hmm. Um, where we try to like push, push, push through same thing that happens with the ankle happens in our head. It just gets worse and makes the problem last longer and longer. And you keep having to deal with it. Whereas if you nip it in the bud, like do your treatment, do the rest, ice, compression, elevation, like do everything that actually don't do that. That's not good. They discovered, um, <laughs> don't do rice. Yeah. Um, if we nip it in the bud and take care of it, then we don't even like have the decision to make ourselves go back out there. Mm -hmm. A lot of times mental toughness doesn't look like pushing through. It looks like stepping back. Oh. And like that is the, that is the tough thing to do. Um, yeah. I think we get caught in this, like thinking of mental toughness as like, who's the hardest person out there and who's going to fight through the most, mm -hmm. which yes, it is like resilience is a big part of it. Part of being mentally tough, though, is also making difficult decisions. Um, I like to talk about mental toughness as psychological flexibility. Like, do you have the ability to withstand the stressors that are being put on you? And if not, how do you develop those? Um, and there's a lot of parts of parts of that that we can kind of talk about, but I like to talk about psychological flexibility and that comes from uh acceptance and commitment therapy or in sport they call it acceptance and commitment training 
Um, it's a theory of psychology. It's really, we won't get into it too much. It's very like sciencey and yeah. boring, but I, I mean, yeah. I find it interesting, but you're yeah. right. Maybe not everyone. Yeah. Wants. Well, we can talk about the, the, uh, the, the how, I guess, as opposed to maybe theory. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's six main parts of like ACT acceptance and commitment therapy or psychological flexibility. The ones that I talk about around mental toughness are having a set of values um, and having values-driven behaviors. So let's say we have this person and in their set of values are, let's say, um, achievement. They really like like going after things and applying themselves and they get enjoyment from achieving. Let's say, um, let's say they value close relationships, be it with their family or friends. Like they really crave intimate relationships and throw another value at me. I don't know. I can't think of a third one. Um, money financial okay gain. yes financial <laughs> security yeah yeah okay i like it so you have this problem or so you have this person and they have their set of values they're going to encounter a problem at some point let's say their problem is um well let's take me for example not me imaginary person okay they get very nervous and apprehensive before practice so much so that they get physically sick um, our body has kind of natural fix it behaviors to get around that problem. And usually those behaviors are just like trying to make us feel safer in the moment. They're very like short term, um, fixes to the problem that we're having. So for me or for this person, <laughs> it looked like, uh, hiding or like, saying that you're sick which you know like i was feeling unwell like my stomach hurt from anxiety but mm -hmm. like i, I would have been fine to go play um let's say that they are what's like another automatic uh let's say like they don't communicate as well right because they're feeling so anxious before you get there, though, you have to consider that there's a lot of things going on up here mm -hmm. um, that's, like, driving those behaviors. So they have this problem of feeling nervous before practice. They're going to have accompanying, like, thoughts, um, emotions, and sensations. So thoughts of, like, oh, like, I shouldn't be out here. Like, I'm not good enough, blah, blah, blah. Emotions, um, maybe feeling like, overwhelmed or sad or whatever i don't know there's a billion emotions you could name around this thing and then sensations like what our body is feeling are you shaking is your heart rate going up are you starting to sweat more um and so in response to that our body wants to do those fix it behaviors like i talked about to kind of cool down whatever's going on up here thoughts and emotion wise and what's going on in our body those behaviors, though, only fix things momentarily. So if we can become aware of, if we are a person who has a well-rounded knowledge of our values and what's important to us, who we are, where we want to go, who we want to be, right? Financial security, achievement, and intimate relationships, close relationships with our family and friends, 
then I have a choice in how I respond when my body wants to do those fix-it behaviors. What I need to do is refer back to my values and make a choice, right? Because would somebody who values um, close relationships and your teammates are part of that, would they start to communicate less because of how they're feeling? No, right? If you say communication and relationships is important to you, then your behaviors need to show that. Mm-hmm. Right? So you have that choice to either A, listen to what your body wants to do to seek safety, or to B, uh, refer to who you want to be what your actions are, or sorry, what, who like you say you are. We have that choice in every single moment. It's just whether we are, are aware of what's actually happening. And that was a really long winded way of saying we have the choice in how we respond to things. Mm-hmm. We can respond to what our body naturally wants to do, which is going to look like safety seeking mm-hmm. and not going to be super productive. It might make us feel momentarily better. Um, and it can be a quick fix. It's not going to be super productive for us. Or we can think back to who we want to be, who we want to become, and we can let our actions show that, which is the hard thing. That's mental toughness. Mic drop. That was a lot. No, that was was so good. I'm literally, I'm like almost mesmerized because I'm just like... I just had this kind of shit when yeah. I was playing. Yeah. I probably could have kept it together a lot yeah. longer. Yeah. But no, I think I think that's so great for you to just share that with us because obviously these are things that I'm learning and I'm sure a lot of people listening um will learn and take away from this hopefully and maybe implement it into yeah. what they are doing. And I yeah. think also it doesn't just apply to sport. Absolutely it not. Just, yeah. It applies to life as well. Yeah. Um, this is called the ACT metric. So if you want to like look into it for yourself, ACT me- met- matrix. Wow. I'm on a podcast <laughs> and can't talk. ACT matrix. Um, look into that. It's really, really useful across all aspects of, of life. That's one of the parts that I enjoy most about my work is, yes, I love to help athletes, especially young athletes, perform on the field. I think that's awesome. But I love to help like set people up for like better life outcomes, mm-hmm. more fulfillment, better relationships. Um, I already said it, but like better people make better athletes. I think mm-hmm. I really believe that. Mental toughness mm-hmm. that that's something that you I'm assuming you work on a lot with quite a bit. Athletes. Yeah, I would say kind of the top things that, especially I work with mostly younger athletes. They're when you say younger, can you give us like age range? Mostly high school age. Okay. High school age, yeah. Um, so 13, 14 to 18-ish. Um, most of those athletes are coming in with uh, confidence issues or like want help developing mental toughness. I'd say those are kind of the two main things. We discover a lot of things underlying those things, but those are usually the first kind of, I guess, yeah, probably the top two topics that kind of come up. Well, sorry, it was mental toughness and confidence. And confidence. Okay. Yeah. So how do you approach confidence then? Um, confidence is a tough one because it can have so many like stemming. It can stem from so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, be it like poor coaching, 
pressure from parents like it can just have so many different like catalysts mm-hmm. um i like to help athletes develop routines one of my favorite quotes around this is routines are anxiety's greatest enemy like the like anxiety hates surety and we increase surety by um having a constant like steady routine that we do um so I really like to help athletes develop that around practice and around games just to take all like the guesswork out. Mm-hmm. That's where like like lack of confidence can a lot of times uh, come from like fear of the unknown. Like we just don't know what's going to happen. Of course, you're not going to feel as comf- confident and competent and ready to go. And so I guess kind of increasing competence helps a lot. Um, obviously that's just like reps and reps and reps of, of training, but also having a steady routine and routines. Um, it isn't, I guess maybe I should clarify like routines isn't when I step onto the field, I never touch the white line. Mm. Like that's superstition. And yeah, technically those are okay. Like they, if you think that they help you, they, yeah. <laughs> they can, that's cool. But really what we want are like, um, task driven behaviors, task relevant behaviors. So things that are like, can actually make a difference. Stepping on the white line, like on the chalk line, isn't going to make a difference in your game. It might make you feel better. That's good. But what we're talking about is like developing a routine around exactly how much you're going to eat, what you're going to eat, when you're going to eat it, how much water you're going to drink. Um, what time you're going to be in bed with the lights off, what time your alarm is in the morning. Um, do you have a, a mental game plan when something goes wrong? What are you going to say to yourself? What's your self-talk going to be? Have it scripted. Be ready to go when something does go wrong. How are you going to get yourself ready to perform from like an excitement standpoint? Do you need to calm down a bit? Do you need to listen to music to chill out? Do you need to listen to some heavy metal and just get rowdy before you go out? Like, um, and then afterwards, how are you going to cool down? How are you going to decompress? How are you going to take care of your body so that you can go do it again and again and again? When we build this list of behaviors that we know helps us perform, well, then the more confident we can be in our process and preparation, the less we have to worry about when we go out there and we just check off, check off, check off, check off. That really helps confidence a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I I have a hard time relating to this because I, I feel like I drew so much confidence like from sport itself. Mm. Do you think that like their a lack of confidence comes from sport itself or is it mostly these outlying factors? Yeah, I think it can be a lot of things. Certainly can be just a personality disposition where we're just like not a very assertive or like confident person. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it can come from... Like I said, when I dropped in there was like familial or like parenting. Um, so we see a lot like, you know, the kid thinks he has a good game, gets back in the car and gets like shouted down by mom or dad. And in it's there. just, yeah, and it's just like, <laughs> oh, like, I guess I didn't play well. And then you're shot for the next game, you know. So I think it can definitely come from factors outside of sport as well, um, especially for these student athletes who are dealing with so much at once. Yeah school, social life, sport, like, 
so like so so many things yeah so again so nice a routine can mm-hmm. be a sport routine and yeah it can be in your everyday life yeah morning routine yes. nighttime routine absolutely so i just i'm just really loving how like transferable this is for like anyone could listen to this podcast and and take away something from it yes yeah I, i'm really enjoying um a lot of mental performance coaches yeah work with athletes but like business owners mm-hmm. um my mentor worked with someone who was going on a, a competitive like cooking show like oh, okay. yeah so it really does yeah transfers to a lot of a lot of different areas of life cool mm-hmm. okay so moving forward here mm-hmm. i you kind of touched on like enjoyment in sports and that is something that i know is important to you and you um, I'm assuming you work on with your athletes yeah, as quite well. A bit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what does what does that look like for you, and what what does that mean to you? Yeah, I think there's kind of a spectrum from burnout to enjoyment, mm-hmm. and the closer that competitive athletes spend on this side, the better. Obviously, we don't need to be like totally loving practice every single day um, and have it be all sunshine and rainbows like because it probably won't be especially in competitive sport Mm -hmm. Um, but we certainly can't let ourselves get closer to the burnout side so I guess the question is how do we do that it depends sport to sport Um, but a lot of the factors of like enjoyment and preventing burnout are the same so things like choosing what you like do in training Um, For coaches, that means like give your players autonomy, let them decide what they do. Yes. Like you are the coach. You're the one with the knowledge. Um, Let them come up with how to apply it. Give your players like freedom to express themselves. They're going to have a lot more fun that way. And you're probably going to have a lot more fun that way too, because it's going to take some work off of your plate. So I guess that's kind of a big one for coaches is let your players like choose, give them freedom to have fun. You can still be very structured in that. Um, I think that's one thing that coaches get a little bit afraid of is like, if I like relinquish all of my power to the players, then it's going to be structured. No, there are ways. Okay. Autonomy, freedom to choose what you do and how you train for individual sports. That's a really big one. Yes. Stick to a training program, but if you start feeling the effects of burnout, like you got to make the change pretty quick or it's going to get worse and worse. Um, Choose how you train, choose when you train. So that's a big one. Training environment is really big, um, both like physical environment and social environment. Um, Making like, so again, for coaches, like making sure the training environment physically is set up and ready to go like don't make your players do extra work of setting things up or huge pet peeve of mine that i see coaches do like they already have to do enough work they don't need the added physical and mental like toll of having to set up things for themselves so for coaches making sure that the environment is ready to go um and then from like social environment um keep like the mood light especially when things are maybe getting a little tougher like play your like music during warm-up and things like that like keep the social environment as loose and kind of fun as you can when things get rigid and quiet it's usually a pretty good sign that things are teetering towards the burnout slash lack of enjoyment side 
not super sciency or um i guess like evidence based but remember like why you started playing sport i and, yeah that's like, something i tell a yeah. lot of people that i um i've coached briefly here and there mm-hmm. going back to your why yeah. and your purpose so important sorry to interrupt yeah, you no, but for i sure. just want to like yes 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 it's yes, like yes. one of the first things that we talked about today is like um I just loved playing. I had so much fun. And yeah, the competitive part came later. And then, you know, you start to have fun winning and like, but if we can like just take the competition out for just a second and realize like, be aware of what's going on. Like I'm out here, like in the sun, practicing with all my best friends, like kicking a ball around or whatever sport you do, like just like have some fun like remember why you started like you were once probably a kid out in the backyard just dribbling around for just like hours just doing your thing Mm -hmm. so if we can kind of get back to that like childlike sense of um like play is a really big one yeah do you think it's important for athletes to have not play other sports but have other like active hobbies uh yes yeah um obviously like there's lots of research of like the more we move the healthier we are from physically and mentally um i would also say yeah big factor against burnout is having other things that you enjoy doing outside of sport Mm -hmm. whether it's like hobbies like if you are into like art or like drawing or you have like some creative outlet can be especially helpful preferably not being very good at like video games and stuff like like the more active and imaginative Mm -hmm. our hobbies can be and more creative endeavor those can be really helpful too why is that i think just the almost the same thing is like we are just playing and Mm -hmm. enjoying and the brain is being stimulated in ways that it might not be if we're just like kind of sitting there and like watching tv or like playing video games which is like you know not the worst thing you certainly need to decompress at times but i think the more that we can nurture the creative and problem solving side of our brain outside of the sport context Mm -hmm. it can really help us in the sport context and we get the benefit of doing something that we enjoy do you have any like stories you could share with us of athletes that you've worked with that you've seen kind of like this a big change in their performance or just like their general happiness with life yeah one comes to mind for sure uh who i've been working with for about a year now and this athlete is very competitive in their sport um at a like a very high level and their like overall demeanor if like i took a video of them walking into the session a year ago and i took a video of them walking in today night and day difference both in terms of how they just carry themselves Mm -hmm. and how they're performing um, on the field so came in with just like confidence was shot had a bad event at a pretty high level and was like you know questioning am i gonna even continue with this like wanted to compete in college and beyond maybe i'm not now And now seeing that athlete winning that same competition a year later, like being at the highest level, signing LOI. And 
I don't want to get too specific for like confidentiality right, reasons, right, but like night and day difference in confidence in performance. And as much as I would love to take credit for that, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it wasn't me at all. Like oh, okay. that's the cool thing is like I can help athletes. Like I give them the tools. Mm-hmm. It's totally on them to do it. Right. I can impart the knowledge. If you don't use it, nothing's going to change. Like for that athlete was so diligent and did every activity that I gave always was like wanting more work. It was very like diligent in the work that they did and reaped the benefits later. Like on the other side, conversely, I've had some athletes who I impart the knowledge. I think I'm doing a pretty good job <laughs> um, and it just doesn't take. And it's usually because they didn't really take the ownership of of doing that work. So Yes, I can absolutely help and I'll do as much as I can. But it's just like in sport, like if if it's what you're hearing from your coaches in one ear, ear out the other, you're not going to get a whole lot out of it. Mm-hmm. So just like parallels in the w- way that we train the mind and train the body, like you have to do the work, mm-hmm. just like you have to do the physical work to get better at your sport. You can't just listen and then become like Leo Messi. Right. Right. Or like Alex Morgan or some amazing athlete. Um, you you got to really like bear down and do it. Yeah. If there were just maybe like one or two major takeaways for anyone listening to this, what do you think that you would want them to know or take away and maybe even implement into their lives? Yeah. One or two big ones. Um, I would say enjoy playing while you can. Um, it is such a short, especially for competitive athletes, like the lifespan, the career in which we get to be competitive is so short. Yes, compete hard. Yes, work really hard. Push to your like absolute like highest level that you can. But also, if you can, just even if it's in brief moments, remember who you were when you first started playing and you were once a kid playing in the backyard dribbling around having a good time try to have those moments and come up with a structure for like how you're going to do that is it like when you're warming up playing rondo um before training is it on your way there like jamming out with your friends in the car or something those are the moments that i'm gonna take with me coming like like yeah we won some like good games and i had some like good moments on the field, but more so are the, like the moments of enjoyment with my teammates and my best friends. Um, and just like having fun. So one, I guess, have fun, enjoy it while you can, especially in competitive sport. Um, two, I'm not going to rehash our entire conversations (laughs) about values and solving problems, but develop a sense of who you are three to five things that are most important to you, your set of values, come up with those. And when you're uh, maybe in a pickle, think of what that person would do. Like that person who values hard work, the person who values financial security, close friendships and achievement. What would that person do in that moment? Think back to your values. And that's really going to be a good guide for your behaviors. That's great. I love that. I think that those are two very strong points. So now if you could give young Alex oh. any advice, um, what would it be? Probably 
<laughs> don't be like so mean on the field. <laughs> oh, did you yell at your teammates? Were you that guy? Uh, not at my teammates. More so like to referees. Which oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, it happens. Because now I see people doing that. I'm like, wow, that's terrible. I used to do that all the time. Yeah um i guess yeah funny. i have this thing and everyone laughs at me and i i get it i actually adopted this from one of my older cousins who's a basketball coach mm. and she says this and that's where i got it from but i'll just be like sir excuse me <laughs> sir like because it's like it's it's yeah you're kind of being respectful, but you're also. <laughs> but being I like to say ex- that too. With all due respect, yeah, that was a horrific call. Yeah, it's like extremely <laughs> passive aggressive. I'm like, sir, are you kidding me? Oh yeah. And people think that's the funniest thing, and I just, <laughs> I don't know. That's just like naturally what comes out of my mouth. Um, I've gotten nicer <laughs> over the years. But I think they actually like it a lot less. Yeah. I think they might prefer to be like berated and yelled at rather than just like. Really good job. Yeah. I don't think they like that. Great call. Great call, sir. Sir, excellent work. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, a little passive aggressive. So I'm sorry for that. Um, So I would say, yeah, maybe don't be like quite so mean, maybe. Uh, I guess maybe that's more of a funny one. Yeah. Really, I would tell them like just kind of like what I said, like enjoy it. You know, like the moments are so, they pass so quickly, they're so fleeting. And as much as we can pour into other endeavors after our sporting career is over, it might not quite give us that same feeling. So enjoy that feeling while it lasts. Enjoy those moments. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. What if, if there's like someone listening to this Mm -hmm. and they are thinking about getting in or not getting into, but, um, receiving mental health what is the, the right uh, word yeah i don't know that works okay if they're looking for help yeah, looking for yeah. help and they maybe want to work with a mental performance coach mm-hmm. where do you suggest they start like how do they know that they're going to be working with someone who is trained properly the way that you have been yeah um so there's a certification um which i'm currently working on so i guess i should clarify this there's mental performance consultants okay they have been like trained, finished their hours, um, their like mentored hours, and are like good to go through the Association for Applied Sports Psychology. So I'm in that process now. That's why I can't use the word consultant. That's okay. why I say mental performance coach. Okay. You should look for somebody who is certified um, because if they're not, like, who knows what training they've had, mm-hmm. what schooling they received, whether they've had, um, mentored experience by another member so you really want somebody who is certified certified mental performance consultant through the association for applied sports psychology usually if they are they'll have that listed so it's pretty plain to see um if you see the letters cmpc by their name good green lights yeah um or if you are in need of uh some mental health work outside of sport, but you also maybe want to chat about sport, you can look up like sports psychology directory and find probably somebody in your area who can specialize in that too, from a clinical standpoint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. I think it's um, important. Cause like you said, there are a lot of people out there that think that they are experts in a 
certain field and and this is not just with mental performance coaching this is yeah. in so many aspects of life but just because that you were an athlete and you had your own experiences does not mean you are qualified to give right. someone else advice sometimes right. i wonder if i step cross that line a bit mm. sometimes um for myself and I, I always try to preface like i am not an expert these are just my experiences yeah sharing your story yeah, and it, i think there's like definitely and there's value. a lot of value yeah there's value in that but if you are someone who needs help wants help and you want it to be legitimate yeah it's good to know what resources to yeah. look for yeah yeah are you currently taking on clients i am indeed you can find me at at foundation mentality <laughs> on instagram uh or you can go to my website foundationmentality.com if you are a soccer player um i'm partnered with a strength and conditioning gym um called talo they have two locations on the west side of portland in tigard and also on the east side um, and I do mental performance work with their athletes as well. So if you want both like the physical training, um, like top notch, I'll give a shout out to Garga. He works with the U S women's national team is the performance coach for them. So like very high level coaches. And then you get to also have access to me as a mental performance coach is for like, yeah, we'll take anyone, but soccer players mostly is their clientele. Okay. So at Talo, that's at T-A-L-O or maybe at Team Talo on Instagram. But either way, if you we'll look at it. I'll find it. I will good. put it in the show notes yeah. so you guys will know <laughs> all of the correct information. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to add? Um, No, I don't think so. I guess maybe two of my favorite quotes. Yes, uh, One... And my athletes, or the athletes that I work with, um, I'm sorry because you've heard this a billion times. We gain control by letting go. And I stole that from somebody. I can't remember who. So if you're watching this, I stole that from you. I'm sorry. Great job. It's a great <laughs> quote. We gain control by letting go. Um, letting go of the past. Letting go of uh, the future. Things that we have no control over. We gain control in the moment by letting go of those things. Um, and then the second one is, uh, a quote by Charlie Maxey. He's an author and illustrator that just says, uh, always remember you matter, you are loved and you bring things to this world that nobody else can. That's so on brand for the athlete confidential. (laughs) I love it. We just end it there. Just cut it out. (laughs) It just cuts. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, let me just check my notes here. Make sure I didn't miss anything. Yeah. Okay. Here's an interesting question. Well, I then I think it is. Why do you think that mental performance coaching is such a growing industry? Um, I think we touched on it a bit before. I think that athlete or athletics is becoming so competitive at younger and younger ages, and people are looking for any competitive advantage that they can get, whether that's um, like doing like personal, like doing extra physical training on the side. Um, or like getting nutrition help or like I think mental performance is another one of those things where if we can get marginal increase in performance, people are really, really interested in that. Um, so I think that's kind of the main, main reason that it's growing too. I think there is a lessening stigma again, like about looking for those things. You're seeing high level athletes very being very transparent that they're getting help 
be it for off the field things or for performance on the field from a mental standpoint. So I think um, maybe those are the top two things like gaining any advantage that you can get. And then two, um, high level athletes being vocal about it and helping kind of lessen, lower the stigma around mental performance or mental health in general. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's all I have. That's all I have too. Great. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Alex. Had so this much was fun. Same. Honestly, so educational as well, which I really enjoyed. I think there's some really good takeaways and I hope whoever is listening really tries to implement some of the things that you talked about. Yeah. Um, it's just a good start. And if you want to, you should go find someone to work with. Yeah. Definitely should. If, even if it's not me, as much yeah. as I would love to plug my business. You, okay, actually, I do have a question about that. Ooh, okay. Are you, do you only work with people who are local or do you do online coaching? Oh, great question. Yeah, I work with, uh, yeah, people in person and remote. So wherever okay. you are out there, um, I do remote as well. Okay. Yeah, it's a great question. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, that was awesome. Well, you guys, as always, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you don't already, please go follow us on Instagram at The Athlete Confidential. And I look forward to speaking to you guys soon. Remember, we are all humans first and athletes second. See ya.